Welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property. Well, well, Mr Forsdyke, how are you? Well, well, I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, lovely. Well, um, we had a little bit of chat off air and thought we couldn't really have a Conveyancing Matters and be three weeks into a major conveyancing organisation having a massive cyber security security incident without talking about it um certainly have absolutely no intention of of gloating at all quite the contrary but there's there's quite a bit i think to unpick to you now in relation to the the simplify incident isn't there so so what are your thoughts we've got a very very large sort of umbrella conveyancing organization with lots of conveyancing brands sitting beneath it that have had you know three weeks ago now give or take you know clearly a massive um uh, security issue that's impacting thousands of transactions given their position in the market um and and it's still not resolved so no, what's no. what's your initial reaction as a firm owner to well, my initial reaction is I, I feel so much empathy for them i feel really sorry for the guys that have to deal with this because you know it's it's horrific you know your reputation's at stake um and of course just you know your ongoing process of, of working on files all of a sudden you can't do. So all the guys that are involved there, I do feel really, really bad for them. But I think what it goes to show, though, is that, you know, if one of the biggest brands in our industry um, has been targeted in this way, and I'm assuming the resource that they apply to their IT, it just shows you the risk that we all run and and how much, you know, it, it could happen to any of us at any time, couldn't it? Yeah, I think this is the thing. And it's... um. It's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because I am absolutely sure there are, you know, commentators and people out there who were sort of, you know, quietly gloating or possibly loudly gloating. Mm. But I do think, you know, the broader point clearly is the fact that, um, you know, there but for the grace go go, go all of us, really. Mm. I mean, even small organisations that have, you know, just got, you know, just got a bit of IT uh, are, are still going to be at risk, aren't they? But I think one of the issues that I think about really more from the outside looking in now than, than I've been in the past, you, is this whole, you know, is this is the size of them. And the fact that it's had sort of such an impact across the market because they are so big. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's clearly a concern. And, and even on their website, sort of, you know, right now at the time of recording, it's it's not resolved by any means. You know, they're saying, um, you know, the majority of our conveyancing colleagues are back up and running. They're actively working on cases. You know, team are supported by external experts, watch, you know, working nonstop reviewing next steps you know and it but it got so bad that if firms wanted to contact them you know there was there was a form you know we had that you know you had to contact them by form and it it can perhaps um you know I just think the impact across the industry can't be sort of underestimated really and it's hit the national news as well now um And I just think, uh, you know, it's it's just a concern, isn't it, really? You it's, know. It's, it's a major concern. There's two constraints here, isn't it? There, there's the, you know, it's been all over the news now. Um, you know, there are clients that have suffered, um, hopefully not as many as, 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 you know, it's being portrayed as, you know, how these things can get out of hand on social yeah. media. And I've seen some of the, the um, you know, the tweets and the posts and stuff like that. And it's it's horrible. And I'm sure the guys 
you know, there uh, are going for a really, really rough time because at the end of the day, you know, nobody would ever want this to happen. Um, so I'm sure they're going for a really rough, rough time, but it, it kind of demonstrates the maybe the lack of knowledge that you know a lot of people have in terms of what we do and the threats that we're always, always under. Yeah. You know, when people moan about us asking for, you know, whether we're talking about a, a transactional matter, um, such as ID and bank statements and, and KYC and all, all this stuff that we do, you know, we have to do it for very, very valid reasons. And you now with regards to sort of IT and, and, and cybercrime, there's a hidden layer that we wouldn't even talk about that's, you know, company related or firm related that costs so much money now. It's, you know, if I look back when we first started, the consideration I had for IT was, was very, very, very minimal. Um, but now, of course, it's, it's a daily threat. Um, and you've got two, two different sides of it, I suppose. Haven't you? You've got the data that we hold, um, which is obviously really important. And, of course, you've got a client account that's <laughs> always, you know, holding extreme volumes of money in it. That I suppose as a target, mm. what, what, what better companies could there be? And when you've seen the likes in the past of the NHS and the car phone whereas you know, other massive companies and corporates being hacked, you know, it only takes one person to be successful um, when you're being attacked every day for them, you know, you to feel the consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And clearly there's, um, and, and rightly, of course, about this particular incident, um, you know, there's not much in the public domain about, you know, what's actually happened, not least because there's a criminal investigation going on now. Mm. But it, it the trouble is, and it's always bothered me about, and I think we should, Stu, at some point have a separate sort of specific chat about cybercrime, but assuming, yeah. you know, it, it was a cybercrime incident, um, just the risks that that poses and what always bothers me about particularly sort of cybercrime and training is that um that sort of your, your staff are your biggest defense and your biggest threat at the same time yeah, and what always bothers me about cybercrime is that um it becomes a bit like the wallpaper it just sits in the background it's always there and, and people yeah. stop thinking about it and people stop noticing it um and i haven't a clue whether some poor soul um, at Simplify, you know, clicked on a dodgy email. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. But I do think that what this incident should be perhaps prompting from firms in terms of responses, okay, you know, right, let's get our cybercrime training yeah. back online. And one yeah. of the things I thought it would be worth mentioning for firms because it's free and easy is the, um, the National Cyber Security Centre, actually, Stu. They've got absolutely stacks of resources on their website um, that anybody in firms would probably find really useful. But they do have, actually, a free, a free little webinar, sort of, you know, top tips for staff. Yeah. Uh, around avoiding cybercrime. So the first thing that firms could do is, you know, send their staff to the National Cybersecurity website to, to, to just literally watch that. I think it's only about 15 minutes because it's all about just, you know, re not not raising that awareness really, but bringing that awareness back to the surface. Yeah. Uh, and I think that would be quite an easy quick win for firms. But has it led you, Stu, and I think this is the other thing clearly firms sh should be doing, and I'm sure, to be fair, are doing, you know, nobody needs me to tell them, but is clearly to be conducting, you know, a review of their own IT, not policies as such, they're just the 
you know, to my yep. mind, they're just the written things that sit on the server that nobody reads. But your actual nuts and bolts, technical, yeah, the practical, yeah, support, the practical side of what firewalls, we all yeah. of that stuff. I yep. mean, has that led you to to do that in the last three weeks, Jim? Well, the very first moment I heard of it, the very first call I made was to our IT guy um, yeah. because you think, Christ, you know, um, there are some simple things you can do. And I'm not holding myself out to be a, a, an IT expert, but, you know, doing things, stupid little things like maybe changing passwords and emails, stuff like that. It's something so simple, but because it's so simple, we kind of, you know, jog that to the back of the queue a bit mm. and stuff like that. But I think now it's becoming such an integral part, probably of any company, let alone law firms, but... You know, IT now, it's 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 a different world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, we used to get, you know, somebody out of the blue used to email you at three o'clock in the morning, um, couldn't construct a coherent email and saying, click here to, to win a million pounds. You know, it, it, they're not as blatant as that anymore, are they? We, I actually had one yesterday, um, an email that came through. Um, and, and it was a, an, another, you know, reply or click here. Um, but it was talking about pan, panel membership with a bank so you know the emails now that you get are so so similar to what could be the truth well um, they're very very sophisticated and they're yeah, very the sophisticated good at, side and you know it's, you know using I've, I've, logos and uh you know and, and and you'd have to look very very closely at an email address to to have the slightest alert and i think the difficulty is where you've got you know a lot of sort of people sort of slogging away under the pressure that conveyances have been slogging away under. I think sometimes these these dodgy emails in particular, they, it's just that momentary gut instinct that perhaps you and I might have, and I absolutely, you know, I think I'm as, you know, I'm probably as much of a risk as anybody else. But I, I just think this sort of experience of, of looking at stuff for a long time makes you think, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Whereas actually maybe people that aren't so experienced might not necessarily do that. I mean, they might have better eyesight than me, Stu, and be able to notice, a, you know, a dodgy address. But if, if um, I don't know, let's just say one of the guys here gets an email from supposedly Stuart Forsdyke asking them to send a thousand pound, they're going to spot it, aren't they? However, what if they get an email from, you know, Joe Bloggs, um, click here to access my ID, um, something like that, you know, it could could be so innocent couldn't it um it, you know i think the the stuff now that the attack that we're under um is so educated the terminology that's used yeah they and, and i think the fraudsters know the weak points don't they i don't think you you know i haven't had an email you know asking me to send monies abroad for absolutely ages now um no. you know it, it's much more you know here's my client's id um stuff like that so it's stuff it's, you would expect to be receiving yeah you'd expect to be receiving on a daily yeah. basis it's you know your emails are probably being monitored and and the fraudster picks up on the terminology that's used the key points where you ask for things or things are supplied to you and they replicate those trails don't they uh, and that's where it becomes so 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 dangerous um, and think, of course um, the other thing as well is it might not be you that gets hacked or, or you it could be your client um, so if you're receiving an email from a, a, a client that's all of a sudden their email address has changed, um, needs to be investigated. But so easy just to miss that, isn't it? Yeah. And also, you know, on the different devices that we all now use, um, you know, emails can be received and abbreviated anyway. It's, you know, the, the, the due diligence you now need to apply to what you receive is on a level that 
it's never been before. No. And, and of course, I don't, what this I, is... I sometimes think when we talk about fees, you know, there's so much more we now need to do because of all these different things, but particularly, you know, cybercrime as well. And that's not to mention cybercrime insurance, which is a, a, a separate thing to discuss in a bit. But, you know, the cost element of this is going through the roof. And it will do. And, and these sorts of incidents, the simplify incident, will only um, sort of add grist to that mill. Yeah. Really. yeah. Um, and yeah. of course, the, the irony premiums is... Gonna, the, premium, the premiums for cyber insurance, you know, they were bad <laughs> enough. They were bad enough this time around. Um, but of course, you know, um, it, it, you're going to be talking sort of the, the, the figures that are uh, going to be applied over the years now due to this. But also what else goes on in the world is incredible. Well, I think there is just an inherent irony in what we do, Stu, that the, uh, and I am now going to sound like a tragic old Luddite, I do get that, but there is an irony in the, um, in the fact that, you know, tech and IT have theoretically made the conveyancing process so much easier and more streamlined, um, such that firms have been under significant pressure to push their fees down. Um, you know, because of, you know, automation, tech, IT and everything else. But of course, all, all it has done, and I I've increasingly take this view, actually, that all this does is shift the risk somewhere else. It yeah. does not eliminate it. And in That's many what... cases, it doesn't even mitigate the risk. All it has done is moved a risk that you had just there and moved yeah. it over to over there. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and a broader conversation and next time we chat we'll you know we'll no doubt talk about the land registry only accepting digital applications and digital id and that is absolutely the way of the world that is absolutely the direction of travel but um you know i've always sort of rather dully sort of banged this little drum and said but when um a system is hacked where which it invariably will be you know where is the liability then going to lie yeah. Uh, for, for that but um but Stu, I, and that's it's, it's going back to that isn't it there's always been risk and in whatever way you do it it's just a different risk yes. type or uh, I, I can remember a well-known uh estate agent having an issue um and this is going back so long um it was where papers were put in their bins and people went down their bins um and and, and made fraud from papers in bins um so you know you can get you can go right back um, but I think the difference is, you know, there's risk everywhere in terms of what we do. But the difference now is that it's probably easier for the fraudster. It's not easier for us, is it? But it's easier for the fraudster. Um, and, you know, it's easier for them to mount multiple attacks yeah. multiple times um, because of technology enhancement. So it's become easier for them. In terms of what we do, there's been risk, you know, there's in always whatever been way risk you want to flip that coin. Yeah. That sort of leads me into clearly because what this has sparked a bit on social media is the old, you know, electronic versus paper argument. And should, you know, should this incident yeah. cause firms to sort of reappraise the way they work and to think about maintaining paper files again? Well, I think if you've gone paperless, if you've gone electronic, I think that the concept that a firm would actually consider now you know, printing stuff off again and, and you know, putting treasury tags in the corner of bits of paper into files is is complete nonsense. And I don't think a firm is ever going to do that. Uh, I think firms that perhaps maintain paper and electronic, um, they're going to go one direction or the other. And presumably they're, they're still going to end up going in the electronic direction. But I just don't think it's a, 
it's not a binary either or because you know if you had paper files too well they could you know they could get burnt they could get you know they could get accidentally shredded you know i think the national yeah. archive had a fire it had a fire didn't it and uh, and lost a whole load of records so we that's why chancel searches aren't definitive and was it bradford and bingley millions of years ago they had a fire in their deeds i wasn't going to say there was a well-known bank that deed store burnt down and yeah. thousands of deeds were lost once upon a time yeah so. and you know um so the idea that you know should we go back to paper files i, I just I, you know I, I don't you know that's not a compelling argument and of no. course you do get um and it's always worth um i would recommend anybody having a look at peter ambrose's rather fantastic feeds uh, on linkedin in particular because he's been pretty um you know, he's made his, his views very strongly known uh, about the IT issues. And and because clearly he's he's very much, a you know, an embracer of IT. But um, I don't think this sort of incident can ever really lead us back down the path of, you know, well, should we ditch all IT um, and go back to paper? I mean, it's just nonsense. No, it's, really. it's, 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 in, it's increasing your sort of internal procedures to combat it, isn't it? Um, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Now there is, you know, there is. I still think there is probably something to be said for perhaps something of a hybrid model. But again, all that does is shift the risk because if you've got a partial paper file, then um, that's still not going to have everything on it, which presents a different risk. It doesn't. It just moves the risk yeah. to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, if and you want to go down this road, you, you could talk about anything, couldn't you? you no, know, you could talk about, do we go back to sort of paper ledgers where we handwrite everything in? I mean, how far do you want to go? How far well, do you want exactly. to take this? You know, you, well, you know, I mean, we you know modern world. stone tablets were risky, Stu, if you drop them. So, you know, <laughs> it's all a bit, I think it's all a relative concept. But what I did think was more interesting, and I'm complete IT Luddite, and I don't say that with any pride at all. It's just my age, really. I'm just a bit hopeless. So I, I've come from no position of strength or knowledge at all. But one of the things that in terms of what particularly larger organisations might presumably be thinking about doing is the extent to which it's possible. Sorry, that was me hitting my desk. Is the extent to which it's possible to... Um, uh you know compartmentalize your it processes if that's at all possible and i don't know whether it's possible or indeed financially practical because what the simplify website does point out is that there's you know two of their brands within their group um they operate they operate separate it systems and weren't affected yeah, yeah. so you know that's quite an interesting um uh we, we've always done a, a similar kind of thing here i always uh now, everything we do, um, I've always tried to have sort of, you know, an A and a B so that, um, you know, you're, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I think they've managed managed to maybe mitigate some of that by the other yeah. brands that were able to trade. I think um, one of, perhaps one of the last things to talk about in relation to this issue, Stu, is what this um, security incident has given, you know, shone a light on. Apart from, you know, I do... I do have the thought, and this is very much a personal view, but I do have the the, the wonder, you know, uh, the thought in the back of my mind, if this was a smaller organisation, would they have been intervened in? Would they have been closed down by now? Um, that's a difficult one. Um, but I do worry about the too big to fail argument. Um, I'm sure the regulator's all over it. But nonetheless, um, you can't help wondering how a smaller organisation would have fared. But the, the point I was going to make is... I don't is think a smaller organisation would have financially been able to cope with it anyway. Um, no, I mean, probably, the, re no, the repercussions um, for that organisation are going to be absolutely huge, aren't they, from a mm. financial point? And that could be, 
immediate money's worth, um, but also future work and so on and so forth. But yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think you'll find this all um, shockwave through all law firms. Yeah. Because I think we all now have it at the front of our minds that actually, you know, is there anything we can do to improve? Yeah, I um, think that's right. And of right. course, improvements cost money. Yeah, inevitably. Mm. Um, I think there's lots of finance managers in law firms now looking at budgets and saying, Freaking. well, you can't have that, and you can't have that, because we're going to put a big chunk of it over there. Yeah, but definitely. yeah, well, I wondered also, Stu, maybe just to conclude this conversation, uh, this issue does appear from social media, and that's as much as I want to, you know, I, I'd go so far as to say, on the issue of, you know, the dreaded old referral fees. You know, the genie was let out the, you know, the bottle quite a few years ago, the idea of law firms paying for, you know, referrers for work, which is legitimate and permitted, provided that the client knows. Um, and there seemed to be a lot of people saying, well, we didn't know about this. And it does make you wonder the, you know, for example, whether or not the regulators will think about bringing referral fees and why they didn't, frankly, under the auspices of the, um, the transparency rules. Because we have to stick our yeah, I've got, I, I'm not um, a complete disbeliever in all this. Referral fees have been paid forever. Okay, if it wasn't uh, a direct payment, it was um, a brown paper envelope. Okay, you can't tell me that you know in this day and age, referral fees in different disguises are paid in multiple industries all over the world, aren't they? Um, I think to um cut these out in terms of regulation would would be worse it, it would be the you know the referral fees underground instead won't they um, well i suppose so, in many ways to, some would argue they always were you know the old boy network the nice lunches you know da, 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 you know there was always going to be a fairly fine line but what i wonder is clearly there is a perception at least and i'm yeah. always quite you know i'm always take with a heavy pinch of salt when clients say oh didn't know because it probably suits them not to know um and they don't read stuff a lot of them frankly how many but clients re really think uh that referral fees are paid I'm, I'm not convinced i mean we make it explicit in our terms and conditions that's part of our regulation i'm sure that all um lawyers under that simplified banner are, are exactly the same there's no way that firm don't disclose what they do um, and it's more that clients probably haven't read the terms yeah. and conditions. No, I agree. And because I agree. they're in a state of vexation, they're, they're, they're using whatever they can to, to throw at the wall, aren't they? Yeah, um, no, I, I do completely agree with that view. But as I said, I wonder, you know, if it's considered to be an issue. Well, if the regulators, you know, what, why don't they just require firms to just put details of the organisations they've got for referral arrangements with on their websites under the, under the transparency rules? Why is that yeah. any different? You know, if the regulators were that bothered, is it? Um, is it? Is this? Is this a broken issue? I don't feel it is though. Like, well, I, we, we, again, I think we, it's we disclosed to a client. We pay a referral fee. Why do you pay a referral fee? Well, I pay a referral fee because when you introduce the client, it's a, a qualified client, isn't it? You know, I might have to, um, you know, quote ten clients uh, potentially to get one. Do a lot of hand holding, whereas a referrer might do a portion of that work for me. Mm. Um, so, you know, we pay referral fee on that basis. I think, you know, referral fees now are, you know, they've been here for Christ knows how long, ever since I've been doing it, um, 25 years, um, referral fees have been paid. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, well, and but, you know, I suppose the clues in the title in terms of transparency, I mean, I think if it was just out there, it would just give, I think, clients even less 
opportunity to say, oh, no, didn't know, didn't know. Um, and I, I think do... from a law firm's perspective, one of the things you'd be nervous of is you've got um, one introducer of, le- of work doesn't like other introducer of work and you're disclosing uh, that information on in a public forum. Um, competitors yeah. would know who you get work from potentially. Not quite sure about that myself. I'm just not sure it's a broken issue. I think that's a, uh, and, and from what I've seen where clients have been moaning, um, I'm not just sure that it's in a sort of current state of, uh, like I said, throwing everything that you can at the wall and, and seeing what sticks. But Yeah, I think that's right. I think, um, but I think part of the problem might be, it's, it's always whether there's a perception of an issue, isn't mm. it really? And I think that's, that there often isn't an issue. But if there's yeah. a perception that there is, then it's something that people will feel the need that they perhaps must do something about. You know, we must act. Uh, you know, for example, well, um, you know, let's make firms that get more complaints pay more, for example. I don't know. Is that actually, well, that's perhaps a different conversation, isn't it? But um, but anyway. Complaints um, and legal Edmondson and stuff like that. Another, that's yeah. a big old conversation that is for another yeah, day. Yeah, it is. Think. It is actually. Yeah, we could go. We could be here. We could be here for the rest of the day, Stu. <laughs> well, um, you know, I think on a, on, a, on a sort of practical concluding level, uh, uh, you know, I think we do invariably wish the the frontline staff um you know at the affected organizations well because they just come off the back of the you know the old stamp duty land tax holiday that phrase that must be that must get into the you know the oxford english dictionary this year mustn't it for lawyers um as being one of the most overused phrases of the years but you know almost you know and you hope that the business um is able to deal with it in a way that 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 everything is preserved really mm. um, I think particularly for the you know for the for the workers on the front line because they're the grafters that will be dealing with just a lot of the day-to-day flack I think yeah it's the bottom line the people that's talking to clients I mean I can't I can't think how awkward and horrible that must be for them yeah. well particularly when they've the clients haven't been able to get through to them for a number of days but yeah. all right Stu well I think that um uh, sort of unpacked quite a lot really uh, unexpectedly so um uh, we'll sign off now and I'll see you again soon I'll see you again soon. Have a good day. Take care.